Welcome to Loop Me In, the podcast community for parents and carers on raising children with disabilities. Join presenters Dr. Lisa Interligi and Christine Christopoulos and their guests on sharing experiences, information, and support ideas to help children with disabilities flourish. Loop Me In is brought to you weekly on platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, to name a few. You can learn more, connect with the Loop Me In community, and listen to more episodes on our website, loop-me-in.com.au. Okay, so I'd just like to welcome Bindi and Kate today to our podcast. And um, really, we're very excited to have you here. And I know that uh, you um, both and also Christine have got uh, some friendships that go back some way and that uh, you have um, children that have grown up together in some ways. And so really would like to understand today from you what the value of having those friendships and that network have been through your journey with your children. I think for me, ladies, we all met when our kids were five or, you know, prep at Katandra. And now they're 21, you know, almost hitting 22. So it's a huge um, amount of time that we've gone back and forth with each other and gone on the journey together. Yeah, I think that's right. I think Amy and um, Alice and Matthew were all at the same school. Um, so we've had many, many years of schooling, birthday parties, yeah. um, <laughs> everything in between. Yeah. yeah. And we've um, we've actually, um, if you think about it, we've done had a similar path in some ways that they started at primary school together. Um, we all selected the same primary school. They went to the same secondary school. Mm. That didn't work out for. for all three of them. Yeah, that's true, actually. And they moved to a different secondary setting. And um, so we we actually, in terms of that, it was um, a similar sort of path that they they undertook. And now they've obviously all left school. So, um, but we've kept in touch. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about um, Alice? Talk to us a little bit about Alice and where she's, what her diagnosis? Sure. So Alice is 20. Um, she is autistic, uh, profoundly deaf with an intellectual disability. Um, she sits in between two, I have two boys um, who sit either side. One is 23 and one is 15. Um, she's a bubbly, effervescent uh, busy girl, um, doesn't stop, um, has energy plus plus and um, very personable, um, loves people and uh, always wants to be out and about doing things. Does she give us her, her brother's curry? Does she? She, gives, she, she is the queen of the house and <laughs> uh, pretty much rules the roost and uh her brothers give in to her uh, daily. <laughs> you know, they are, they're very accommodating. Um, uh, they've learnt to be and, um, you know, they, they both have beautiful natures that uh, deal with her beautifully. Um, 
and uh, doesn't mean there aren't many eruptions in the house and she, she tends to know exactly how to stir the pot and uh, but they do know how to deal with her very, very well. Um, over the years, I think we've all become experts. How have you done that, though, um, Bindi? How, I mean, it's, it's something that um, I've also tried with Remy, I guess not in a, an overt, overt way, but in a way that, um, you know, instills that sort of tolerance and the patience and, and um, you know, with, with uh, Louis. I wonder how you went about it with your sons. Um, I think I think it, it different probably for both because the older one, um, Sam, has always had Alice in his life. Mm-hmm. So um, I think he, uh, um, I, I don't. How how have we done that? Look, I think it's it's varied as as she's grown through the years. I think that, um, and it depends. Um, what's going on at the time. I mean, Alice has had a lot of behavioural issues um, and has been incredibly challenging, particularly when she was younger. Um, Lots of meltdowns and eruptions. So we had to to get, um, find ways in which we could, well, keep everyone safe, you know, if she was really um, losing the plot, but also um, empower them to be able to deal with it without you know one of us coming running from the other end of the house Mm. um and uh and so just talking and 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 through talking and doing and you learn so much um they uh you know it's really interesting you know friendships were were a big thing for them and you know always worried me whether um would they be able to keep having new people home would they accept Dallas would they not want to come back would they you know how's that going to play out uh socially for them um because you you know you you ultimately want to create the most normal environment that you possibly can Mm. so um I was very always on edge about that when new kids come into the house and one day um, I mentioned it to one of the kids. I said, you know, are you embarrassed to have friends over because of how she is? And, you know, they both turned to me and they were like, embarrassed? No, not at all. But if a friend yeah. can't cope with how she behaves, then they shouldn't be here. Yeah. And it was very, um, We, I think we've been very lucky, um, you know. I just, I think organically you they learn so much without um actually having to teach them um I think it's one of the bonuses I think that you know um I wouldn't have said that when when Alice was little and we were navigating ourselves through this this world but now I look back and I actually think we're we're one of the lucky ones because our our boys get so much that um they wouldn't have got if if Alice wasn't around Mm. We feel the same way, I think. Mm. Yeah, I often think about that too. And I remember us, Marilyn actually came to us a few months ago and said someone actually asked her, they've just been diagnosed, their child's got a disability, he's four and the girl's six. And they asked her, they said, what was it like growing up with a brother with a disability? And she said, "You actually, I actually didn't really think about it until mm. I was older, I just didn't know any better. Yeah. They've only got two years apart. She said, I, so I just thought it was normal. 
Yeah. And he was who he was. And I was the same, Bindi. When the girls changed school from primary school to high school, I was beside myself. Like, how are they going to make new friends? Do I just tell the parents straight away that, hey, when your daughter gets dropped off, she's going to meet Matthew and Matthew's like this? And it just happened. And the kids, I think, the parents tell me today that the kids were a little bit concerned when they first walked in the door, but within 10 minutes they were like, oh, yeah, he just said hi and went off and did his own thing and, yeah, it was normal. Mm. What about you, Kate? Yeah, look, in, in terms of the friends, very similar situation is uh, we were definitely worried. I mean, Ethan's friends from primary school, it was like Amy was just part of the furniture. She was just, um, and in fact, they loved her, you know, there are a lot of them still you know know exactly how to be with her they'd known her since they were because Ethan's the second one so we've got Ethan who's 15 and Amy who's 20 um so he never knew anything else and his friends didn't know anything else with the high school ones they don't seem to mind I mean everyone I think maybe times have changed as well I mean I I remember when I was a kid and um, one of my mum's really good friends from her childhood actually had a um, a child with a disability or with an intellectual disability. And I remember myself, nobody explained anything. Um, and he was always kind of the little, the odd one when we went to visit. Um, I don't remember us not playing with him, but I definitely kind of, nobody explained anything. Whereas now it's like, you know, we say, oh, yeah, Amy's got an intellectual disability and this is Amy, she's Ethan's sister, and they're all really good. So we also haven't had that sense of pushback from his friends. I do think that there has been, um, I think Bindi and I were chatting about this yesterday, that it can be quite isolating as a family, having a child with a disability, because you don't get those same kind of invitations to go camping as a family, or we've got friends who absolutely love mountain biking, which we love as well, but you've got that awful choice. Do you go and leave Amy? Or do you not go or do something else? Or, yeah, so that, that's, I think, where it gets tricky is when you're wanting to do things mm. kind of a bit in a bigger circle. But in terms of friends, Ethan's friends accepting and his social life, it's been it's been fine. I mean, I always joke that Amy knows more people than any of us. I walk down <laughs> the street and people say, oh, hi, Amy, and start <laughs> talking to her. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> So she knows everybody and everybody loves her. So, yeah, we're very lucky. She's very personable, though, Amy, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah I think um, I think that helps, doesn't it, when you've got um, a child that's personable and, and um, can connect. I think that makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, through these challenges, you know, and I think, um, you know, you alluded to some of them, um, Bindi around you know behavioral issues. How have you got support from your from your parent network? Oh, for for me, um, gosh, they've been priceless. Uh, um, you know, having people like Chris and Kate to talk to, um, uh, we've all come up against challenges at different times, and 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 kids, you know. Um, portraying something that 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 just starts to happen and and you immediately just get it you know and you um uh you 
you kind of know, you know, I mean, I think we're we're very honest with each other and, and sometimes even when we've been a bit more private about issues, you kind of know when you need to give each other space and, and sort of work through things and then when you come forth and 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 speak up. I think that the the support is just so important. Um, I mean, I couldn't have done it without without having people to talk to. And I actually, you know, um, upon reflection, um, talking to different people, you know, as a um, having gone through this now for, you know, she's 20 years and old and, um, and it is, it's a journey. We all use that word a lot, but it is, it's a real journey. And, and looking back, you, you sort of go, oh gosh, we were in that space then and that space then. And um, gosh, haven't we come a long way since then? And you can really, you know, um, uh, try and make sense of it. But what was interesting is I was talking to someone the other day about how different it was for our husbands. And um, mm. so we as women talk, I think, much more to each other openly. Um, we have um, much more of a maybe not we, maybe the need isn't more, but we just do it with so much more ease than our husbands. They, they traditionally, you know, they they're, they're working. We, all three of us also work, but um, we uh, being the the homemakers and the bearing the brunt of of, of the children, I guess, in many. Um, instances that you know Ross and I we were at such different levels at different times and and I felt that he just did not get the same uh, benefits that I got from having friendships like this um there just wasn't enough around and even if there were sometimes little snippets of you know we're running a men's group uh, to to encourage them to go and step into that space was was you know, almost impossible. So having these connections was amazing because, you know, I mean, I remember um, Chris's husband and, and John and Ross are, are great mates and um, we, we often meet as a family and uh, they connect with one another and just don't stop talking, you know, the, and, they, and we walk away from it and I really feel that, you know, Chris and I get this much more often than they get it. Mm. Uh, so I think it's a it, the importance is just I mean for for me I can speak for me is just been insurmountable I, I can't imagine have, having done twenty years without to be honest I agree mm. I remember when Matthew had an incident only probably last year where he acted out on a carer and he'd obviously never done it before he's not a violent kid by no means and the first person I called because Alice was there was Bindi crying going how do I fix this and she just calmed me down and said you know it's just what happens sometimes and it Mm -hmm. kind of I mean if I rang another girlfriend that doesn't have a special needs kid she'd be like god you know what you know would not understand and I probably wouldn't have got anything out of it either and I think it's really important to have people and network of friends around you that have similar situation, even though our kids are so different in so many ways as well. Mm. Mm. I think it's also to have kind of like eyes and ears as well for each other as well. I mean, I know that um, when you're at the same programs or same school or different ones, it's really so important to have someone you can talk to about 
also what's working in a certain environment or and talk about the environment itself. I mean, I know I've had many conversations with, you know, what's been working at a school or what hasn't been working or now in day programs. And um, that's that's really invaluable because the, the kind of the alignment between what's happening at home and what's happening wherever your kids, um, your children are is so important and it's different for everyone. And if you just can't, sometimes you don't know if you're, it's just your perception. So having mm. kind of friends to discuss that and really understand if they're having the same thing, just as an example, I know that Chris and I had a discussion about um, kind of new cultural elements that had come in in a new place that our kids were at and how we felt it was rubbing off on them. And it was very obvious it had been a change since they'd left school. So they were in school um, and then there were suddenly new behaviours that came in in the new place that was that I wasn't sure if it was Amy, but then when I talked to Chris, it was like, oh, well, maybe it's actually the environment and they're picking things up from the environment. So I think having that kind of sounding board is really, really, really useful to know that you're not the only one because I think we we can often think it's difficult to identify if you can't compare and have a chat about it. So it's been really, really useful. Yeah, and I think also um, that forecasting of what's to come, you know, when you have to make those really big decisions or you're faced with an issue that you go, I don't really just don't know how to tackle that, um, to have that conversation. I remember we were having that conversation over dinner about sex and what do you do about that? You know, our kids are all of that age when they're in their 20s. You know, it is it is something that unless you're in that position that you wouldn't really understand the the risks or the concerns and the issues that you might have and having that network to talk through things that are coming up is also really important. Mm, absolutely. We don't want to go there though, do we? <laughs> we need a glass. It's only it's the afternoon. We need to do that over dinner with a glass of wine. This is not a cup of tea conversation. No, but, you know, they're still big issues, you know. Um, yeah. And, and it is, they're really hard to navigate. You know, you, mm. with any child, you don't get a rule book. You certainly don't get a rule book with somebody <laughs> who's got special needs. So, you know, having, you know, one step ahead, having somebody out front or even who's, you know, got a child who's older with the same or similar conditions is really useful. And I think, you know, you're in that position now, Chris, aren't you, with, um, you know, trying to help other people who've got kids with similar syndrome as, as Matthew. Yeah, and it kind of is difficult because um, Matthew got obviously diagnosed with his syndrome last year. So the children's hospital now get the people to contact me. And we've got two girls at the moment with the same syndrome as Matthew. And it's interesting how they'll ring me and they're, the kids are only two and four. And their questions are like, so what's he doing now? Is he driving? Is he at high school? Did he? Can he read and write? And I kind of don't want to tell them all the answers because mm. obviously it's different for everyone, but there's, there is still that grief that you get when you do know that your child's got a disability and you kind of don't want to know all the things they're not going to be able to do mm. till, you know, like I wouldn't have wanted to know that at 21 Matthew still needs me or someone, you know, 24 hours a day in his life. He can't be on his own you know um Chris I I one you know different things stick in your mind for different 
different parts of the journey, but Alice was one years old, one year old. She she had just had her birthday, and we went and saw a developmental psychologist who did a series of um, tests and and we had so many um, sessions with her. She basically came up with this report that she gave to us that Ross and I went and listened to her deliver and we sat there and we were speechless. We were absolutely speechless because the report was about six pages long and contained six pages of what Alice couldn't do and probably wouldn't do in her life. And, um, you know, she was one and we're looking at each other and my husband doesn't get angry at anyone. He really doesn't. And he kind of leant forward on his chair and he took a deep breath and he looked at this lady and he, he said, in these words, are you telling me my daughter of one is not going to be able to write a cheque when she's 18? Or are you telling me she's not going to be able to do calculus? And the lady across the desk said, Ross, to be honest, she won't be able to do, probably won't be able to do either. And he stood up and he goes, this is bullshit and I'm not listening. And he walked out. Mm. So, you know, you talk about timing and uh you know, I understand, you know, Chris, a, a, a parents of two-year-old probably don't want to hear that or can't. No, no. and you don't want to tell them. No, that. you know, that's that's just devastating. Um, and 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 I think the biggest thing is 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 always having hope and and never say never. Like you said, Chris, you know, um, our, our mantra at our house is what Alice can do. Yeah. Never anyone says, oh, can she or can Alice not do that? It's not, no, let's turn that around. Let's talk about what Alice can do. Mm. Very important, isn't it? I think it's a real mindset shift, though, isn't it? That um, you're so um, kind of, you're conditioned into thinking, oh, what they can't do. And actually, um, and that sets a behaviour where you protect or underestimate and don't allow them to do things. Yeah. And actually, I have to say, Louis has never let me down and I've always been surprised. He mm. pulls things. I actually think he's a fox and, <laughs> and he hide, hides a lot of his behaviour. You know, when he was um, doing swimming for years at um, Port Phillip and they used to write in his diary, oh, you know, Louis can swim to the end of the pool with the, um, with the aid of a flotation aid. and. I go, dude, he swims in a pool underwater like a dugong and he comes up for air. What are you doing? Why is he swimming with you with a flotation aid? Mm. So, you know, he um, he has, you know, always um, surprised us with his capability and it is a mindset. It's a great mindset to have, isn't it, Bindi, that, you know, focus on what you can do mm. and then give them the freedom and the space to do it. Very I think that's one of the things you can get kind of fixed in your mind as well about what when you're used to, I don't know, Amy might be able to do something and you kind of don't realise you've pegged it yeah. and then and you're because you're so used to bridging the gap mm. to kind of um, between where, where um, you know, you would be if you're totally neuronormative to where, where Amy is and then you don't necessarily leave that growth and then somebody else will come in 
And suddenly I'll see Amy doing something with somebody else. I'm like, why am I doing that for her? She's so capable of doing it because yeah. her behavior is, and and you get into kind of patterns where they know also how, how far they can get away. I mean, Amy's a sly fox as well. She'll try and get away with stuff because she just can't be bothered. Yeah. You know, if she can. Yeah. So, um, you know, would she really rather somebody else goes and does something and, I know, it's a silly example, but get a glass of water. She always says, can I have some water? It's like, Amy, you can get water. Every time I have to remind her, she can go to the tap and get water. She's been capable of that for years, yeah. but she'll still try and get away with it. Yeah. She can. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that makes me laugh, Kate. Every night in this house, every morning, if he's here for lunch, um, when she asks for a glass of water, the entire family, whoever's around at the same time, will go, Alice, get <laughs> up yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. So what I remember you- one time we realised if they're cluey enough, she, if she's cluey enough to play us, then she's cluey enough to learn the solution. That's so right. I think we learned that when she was about, I don't know, seven or eight, and we suddenly realised that she was actually playing us. Yeah. So what tips could you give other people if they were starting out the journey, looking back at, you know, this lovely network of um, support that you've developed? How, what tips would you give um, other mothers and parents about setting up those networks for support? Um, I think I think I would, I would, Sometimes it's hard to reach out. Sometimes those 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 networks don't just organically happen. I mean, I think they did for us, but they, I think we, the three of us, are, you know, if we're talking about our friendship for all these years, has been. Um, I think that we're similar personalities, and we 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 got along. We had common interests. I think try and find your tribe. Try and find people with common, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be um, the same syndrome to narrow it down because often syndromes are, are so limited in terms of, and 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 our kids share so many um, so many attributes, um, you know, uh, with each other that I think it's um, be kind to yourself and be kind to um, the people around you, but um, really. Try and extend yourself to reach out in in those times that you're probably feeling like crawling into a cave. Um, yeah, what do you think, Kate? What would be your tips for? Look, I mean, I, I feel that I haven't necessarily used my network enough over the years. I've, you know, I've been so... I got so involved in kind of my life and and so kind of my head spinning and busy that sometimes I don't feel I did use it enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have definitely had times where I I thought, you know, I thought who could I call, who, who should I call? And it doesn't necessarily occur to me that I could have called one of you guys. And, I mean, I've known you guys for years and I'm sure I could have done that. So I think it is at the point, maybe it is even um, – because it's it's like you said with the parents who've got a two year old, you don't really you don't kind of know you kind of it reveals itself as you go through the years. Mm. You don't really realize that it's going to be such a long journey, or how long it's going to go on, or what you're going to come up against. So, yeah, maybe it would have been better for me to allow myself to be more vulnerable and and reach out when I needed to. 
Um, yeah, looking back at it now, there were times I should have. Mm-hmm. It just didn't occur to me. It's weird. It just didn't occur to me. And I think the friendships are important too because it's allowed our kids to still be friends because obviously if they didn't have us connecting, they're not going to pick up the phone and ring Alice or mm-hmm. Louie or Amy and say, hey, you want to catch up Saturday? Because they just can't do that. So if mm-hmm. we didn't know each other as well as we do, they probably wouldn't have the friendships that they have today. I think that's really true. I do think it's been, it hasn't only been the kids, it's definitely been our network that's kind of, and and what's nice about that is that you do kind of grow. And I mean, for an example, that Amy's been suffering with anxiety since COVID. That's really, um, you know, and I had a conversation with Bindi about it and the possibility of putting her on medication and Bindi said something, which is she'd seen Amy and she could really see how much more anxious she was. And that was so important to hear because it's a bit like, you know, the, the frog thing where, you know, the, the, the water is going up and the temperature's going up and you don't realise the water's going up if it's happening gradually. But for Bindi, who hadn't seen Amy for a while and then suddenly saw her, she could see that difference. So I think the benefit of having the longevity of friends who've known and seen our, seen each other's children grow up. It, it really is like a village. So I think just we do need to reach out more and make the effort to go out. And it is as much as just going out for coffee um, and just making, because everything needs nurturing friendships as well as everything else. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think for all of us now, we, when we're talking about, they're not even kids, but you know, we call them kids. Is <laughs> they're eternal kids, Chris, in yeah. some ways. <laughs> what's their future? And I think we've all talked about it with each other and kind of don't want to go there, but we're all getting older. And you know, where what is the future for them? Where are they going to go? And what are they going to do? And we obviously have them all at home and we don't want anything else, but there's going to come a time when, you know, they are going to have to move on to something else because we're not going to be capable of looking after them and I think we're going to need it it's so the the friendship's never going to go away because we're always going to have these um conversations about the future same same yeah. as with the schools That's yeah right. and I think um also uh, us being friends as Kate you were just saying you know the um um the kids have stayed friends because we are friends and they see each other because we are friends. And, um, you know, in some instances we've, we've, we've managed to construe um, through good fortune um, people who are carers who connect with each other and the kids catch up on a regular basis because of this. Um, mm. And, 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 I think just like us talking about needing a community of people to help us navigate this, the world that we live in, the kids need a community of people too. And so it's it's just as important and but so much harder to do organically for the children. You know, I know with my kids who don't have special needs, they get to a point at, you know, grade five, grade six, they organise the stuff themselves. They they do everything themselves. They know which who their friends are and and what they want to do. And oh, mum can you know Jim come over for a sleepover next weekend? You know, 
with Alice, it's so different. You know, she she would ask for to have people over, and then you'd go and invite them. It'd be a disaster. You know, you'd be like, "Oh my god, I got two kids at the other end of the house, not talking to one another." And, you know, um, so I think that um, they need so much help to 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 be able to be friends to stay friends, they, you know, their friendships are different. They don't, they can't communicate with each other the same way, so they learn different ways to communicate. They have to be given different spaces to be able to do that, you know, to, to throw Alice into a room of 100 people where she can't hear anybody, can't think through, can't, she just you know, she has no chance of making friends in that kind of space. You've got to, it's got to be quiet. You've got to, you know, you just have to allow for very different things and, and you have to think about, it. you know, with kids without special needs, you don't think about these sorts of things. There's so much you have to think about. But um, it's so important for, for them as well, for their, I think, for their parents to be connected and it, it, it helps them be connected. Mm, so true. Mm. Yeah, well, um, I think um, I think that more power to you girls, really. And I've been a beneficiary um, of of your relationships, I think, through Chris. So um, thank you so much, and thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it, and appreciate the the honesty and and obviously the love and the emotion that you have around um, your kids and our kids um, through that. So uh, thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. It's been, um, you know, always a pleasure just to talk. Absolutely. Can we put our next coffee date in? (laughs) Or dinner? Aren't we due a dinner? Yeah, let's let's do a dinner. Thanks for being part of the Loop Me In community today and joining our conversation on raising children with disabilities. Join us for the next episode on some of your favorite platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcast. If you would like to support us, please recommend the Loop Me In podcast to your network of parents, carers, and providers. If you would like us to cover a topic or invite a guest to chat, please email us at contact at loop-me-in.com.au or go to our website at loop-me-in.com.au. If you've got any feedback, please let us know so we can improve and cover issues you want. And of course, if anything in the podcast today has raised concerns for you, you can contact Beyond Blue on 1300 4636 or Lifeline on 13 111 4.